0: Hi, this is Steve Weinberger, CEO of the Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation, and you are listening to the Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions podcast brought to you by our friends at Marine Max Clearwater. This episode was recorded May 27th, 2020. It is the amazing James Suggs on a topic he called Developing Your Own Sound. And it was great, but of course, everything James does is great, and we are lucky to have him participating in these sessions. We also have an episode sponsor for this episode, Caitlin Jamo. Big shout out to Caitlin. Caitlin is an attorney and partner at the Johnson Pope Law Firm and a big supporter of Clearwater Jazz holiday tradition. In fact, Caitlin has been part of our lead operation volunteer team known as the Jazz Force for a number of years She is so fun and so dedicated to all we do. Thank you, Caitlin, for this special support. And I hope everyone enjoys this episode, James Suggs, Developing Your Own Sound. To become a podcast sponsor and support the Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation, just email info at clearwaterjazz.com, I-N-F-O at clearwaterjazz.com. Welcome everybody to Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation's Young Lions Jazz Master virtual sessions. My name is Steve Weinberger. I'm the CEO of the Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation. We are recording these sessions for the purposes of Clearwater Jazz Holiday's education and outreach. Today's educator and guest musician is James Suggs. His topic is developing your own sound. Participants are muted during the sessions for the courtesy of the session, but you'll have the an ability to ask questions using the chat feature or the raise your hand feature, and we'll make sure we get these questions and bring that to James's attention. And we can unmute you if you'd like to have a conversation with James as well. If you have specific topic requests for these sessions, please feel free to email them to info, I-N-F-O at ClairewaterJazz.com. And we will try to make all these session topics available to you. If you go to clearwaterjazz.com education, you will see all of the upcoming sessions brought to you by Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation engaging local Tampa Bay area musicians and educators to deliver these experiences at no cost. There is a session on virtually every topic covering every instrument. And if you have been with us all along, we hope you have been enjoying these and finding value, we are happy to present them. James Suggs is with us again for his second session. James is special to the Clearwater Jazz Holiday community. He participates regularly in many of our outreach programs including the Young Lions Jazz Master Sessions, the History of Jazz Outreach Program, and our My Journey with Jazz Program. You can learn more about those programs on our website. James is a professional trumpet player currently living in St. Pete, after spending eight years living and playing in Argentina. James's resume is long and impressive. He started playing trumpet at the age of nine, and since that time, his talents have taken him all over the world. He's studied with some greats, played with many greats, and we think James is pretty great. We're lucky to have him with us today. And as part of our programming, he received a master's degree in music jazz performance from USF and also serves as an adjunct professor there. To connect with James or learn more about James, please visit him on Facebook and be sure to check out his music wherever you stream music. James, Welcome to Clearwater Jazz Holidays Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. The stage is all yours, my friend. Well, hold on one second, James. We got to make sure that you're unmuted here. Give me just one second. How about that? Am yeah, I okay. unmuted now? All yeah, right. You're good now.
1: Once again, th- thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure, not just doing these sessions, which are awesome this time. Um, this crazy time, but you know, all the outreach programs and the festival, it's always a pleasure working with you guys, Steve. So I appreciate what you do and for having me here. Um, so yeah, like Steve said, and like the, the link said, um, this topic, today's topic will be about developing your own sound. And, uh, you know, it's basically geared towards trumpet players, because that's I know more about trumpet than any other instrument, but still, I think that, you know, other, you know, vocalists or instrumentalists can kind of take what they can from, from uh, hopefully from what I'm talking about. And also you can use it in life, you know, finding your own voice. Um, that's really what, what your sound, your individual sound is. It's, um, we, we kind of throw that around in the music world a lot. Um, but, Sometimes it's it's good to kind of sit down and think about exactly what sound is and why should it be unique? Why should it be your own? And how to how how can we develop it? Is there a way to actually get closer to that ideal sound in your head? So that's what I'm going to basically touch upon. Um, like I said, you know, it's your personality. This is something very important. Um, picking up an instrument and playing it. You know, it, it brings me back to when I first started playing when I was nine years old. The only thing I was in that, that I cared about was getting the notes out. That was the only thing. And I'm sure some of you can uh, attest to that. You know, at first, you just want to make the instrument sound. That's it. Um, and then once you get more and more into it, hopefully you start realizing how important funneling all of that down to your own personal sound is so it's your personality it's it's something that you want um you know i always think if i'm playing down the street and someone's walking towards the the place and they hear me i want them to know exactly who's playing um because i love doing that you know whenever i hear i'm listening to online radio or jazz radio or um, it's on shuffle or whatever spotify um it's always cool to kind of say who is that oh i know that person because of their sound and sound is very different. When working on sound, you need to separate it from the other things that we are working on as musicians to try to improve our skills. Um, technique, obviously, I'm doing another class um, later on, um, another day for on technique, which is incredibly important, obviously. But sound, when working on sound, it's always important to divide and conquer, separate it. Don't worry about technique if you're working on your sound. Work about, think about how to develop that sound. Um, I always think of it as you know, how we learned to speak. You know, um, as human beings, we, it doesn't matter where you grew up, um, you learn from your environment, whether that be your parents or brothers and sisters or friends or teachers. Or a mixture of, of all, which is probably more likely. Um, for instance, when I was learning, I, I lived in Argentina, like Steve mentioned. And when I was learning Spanish, the most important tool for me um, was being around Spanish-speaking people. So I wasn't opening a book. I never took formal lessons, which I probably should go back and do that. But, um, but it was always about listening to what was going on listening to their accents, um, their inflections, um, knowing whether, even if I didn't know what words they were saying, listening to if it was going up or it was going down, if they were happy if they were sad. So these are, these are also things that we can transfer musically, and it's important to think about. Um, so the main thing, I think, where to start off is to go back to your listening collection. And a lot of, I talk about listening a lot and I'm doing a session with Dwayne White also, um, about listening. Um, it's super important because that's how we learn to develop a sound. Um, so if you go back to your, your, uh, recording collection and you pick those musicians that you love. Um, and I'm not talking about all the crazy licks that they play and the cool, you know, flashy, whatever. I'm talking about that initial sound um that you know they just hold a note and you are in heaven just listening to that one note or just a simple phrase you know playing if they can play a scale and your favorite musician playing a scale is the most beautiful thing ever that's what we're talking about so go back to those music- musicians and think about which ones specifically are the ones that touch you sonically um for instance we and and together with steve uh, i put together a, uh, a playlist that you can follow in the link here uh clearwater jazz um and it's it's titled i think uh, jazz trumpet um sound something like that but it's it's on the link um but you know so i listed a lot of my favorite uh trumpet players uh, growing up and still to this day and you know like i said when i started playing it wasn't about harmony it wasn't about theory it was about sound that's the first thing that catches us usually um so yeah so we're talking about miles davis miles had that sound i mean he could play had this haunting sound and then of course what's the most recognizable miles type of sound that's with this mute right whether you realize it or not the Harmon mute that sounds a lot like this right so and even that This, you know, putting a mute in the end of your horn does not make you sound like Miles. Unfortunately, I've tried it and it's it's not that easy. I'm still working on making it easy, but it's still a challenge. And if you listen to like Roy Eldridge, who is another classic trumpet player, um, he used to play a lot with a harmon mute or Dizzy Gillespie used to play a lot with a harmon mute. That doesn't, they don't sound alike at all. They all have their individual sounds and it doesn't matter if they put any kind of mute in the end of their horn, they're still going to sound like themselves. And that's what I want and that's what you should want as well. Sounding like the the end result is sounding like yourself, finding that sound. So whether let's go through another uh, the other list um, of trumpet players. Kenny Dorham, Lee Morgan, Clifford Brown, Freddie Hubbard, Wynton Marcellus, Chet Baker, Woody Shaw, Maynard Ferguson, um, Clark Terry, Blue Mitchell, and then some of the newer guys our newer guys guys that are you know around today that are you know, on the scene ambrose i can't pronounce his last name but um jeremy pelt roy hargrove i mean the, the list is huge these are a lot of my favorite sounds so again these are all on the list of the, the listening list on uh on spotify on um, the playlist so go and check those guys out so i, I picked specifically mostly ballads for each of those uh, and an example of each of those that I just named, a ballad that they're playing. And I think with ballads, it's easier to kind of hone in on your sa- on your sound. Um, it's interesting, a lot of musicians are fearful, um, apprehensive, maybe a better word, to play a ballad. Because you're laying it all out there. I mean, that's you, you're opening your heart. And the thing is, you have to figure out how you're gonna make that sound Individual and sound unique because everyone's played body and soul, but there's so many different ways to uh, make it your own, you know. That's one way. Here's another way. Let's see if you can hear a difference. So, there are so many different ways, and those are just two ways that I came up with. But I mean, there's millions of ways, so it's narrowing down your millions of ways that you've heard and you're working on and coming to your own individual sound. Um, so for instance, I, I mentioned the, the trumpet players that I love listening to the, mainly because of their sounds. You know, we're not talking about harmony or a complex theory or any of that. We're talking about the basic color. The sound that they produce. So, those guys that I just mentioned are my favorite, some of my favorites. And I, of course, there are a lot of others, but I, you know, we'll be here all day. I also think it's important to be honest with yourself and say, I love that sound or I hate that sound. And not, you know, if, if there are some trumpet players, for instance, now I'm, this might be controversial, but I'm going to name a few trumpet players that are some are legendary that I'm not so crazy about their sound that doesn't mean I'm not crazy about them as a trumpet player entirely, you know, but we're talking about sound. So for instance, the great Dizzy Gillespie, please don't throw anything at me. Um, the great Dizzy Gillespie is phenomenal. I listen to him as much as possible. I've learned a lot and I hope to learn much more from him, but I'm not going after his sound because there are things, there are qualities in his sound that I'm not completely crazy about. Um, Donald Byrd who I love and have listened to since I was a kid also you know there are a lot of recordings that I think man I love everything but I'm not crazy about his sound and that's okay that's my individual um, taste right and that's important to realize be honest with yourself and say I love this because of this I hate this or I dislike it because of these reasons Um, some other uh, trumpet players. Don Cherry, um, Booker Little. Um, and then, you know, there there's uh, current players like, for instance, Leroy Jones. I love everything about him. His sound is quirky and it's not a sound that I want to go after. I love, I love hearing him play, but it's not something that I'm trying to incorporate so- sound wise into my playing. So I'm being honest with myself. I'm not saying, oh, I have to like everything about this trumpet player because people say that I need to. I'm being very honest and really discerning. Um, and I think that helps us get to the final product that we're looking for. Um, so once you figure out what you like, make a list and I'm talking, I'm talking about like, really like, I'm all about making lists. Like I mentioned them in the, the last class, make lists, Write What and who exactly you love about, you know, whose sound you love and what about that? sound for instance vibrato you know that's something that we don't really talk about that often but if you think about if you go back and listen to that that playlist that i gave you listen to each of their vibrato for instance i was talking about miles uh, miles davis earlier and he started off playing with a good amount of vibrato regularly pretty consistently which is pretty common uh, back in that day, the big band, band, big band era. Um, so that might be. Right. I'm not. That's nowhere near the way he played, but that's an example. So I'm adding a little vibrato. But what he ended up doing was playing hardly with any vibrato. So if you if you think about it, really pay attention to what the note is doing. It's staying still, and that's a that's a, a way to get closer to your sound. Do you want to play with vibrato? Go back and and listen to it. Try different forms of playing vibrato. Um, the we think you know we attribute a lot of vibrato to the older style of playing. <laughs> Right. And there's even some like it gets into it's so much vibrato that gets into kind of like going to another note, you know, like kind of a lip slur kind of thing. So that's one style. If you if that's what you're going after, after, if that's what you love, pay attention to the players that play exactly, exactly like that. Go back and, and dissect each little nuance of their playing. Try to copy ex- exactly what they're doing. If their vibrato is going really fast. Now Also another thing, for instance, in, when I was playing with the Glenn Miller Orchestra, Um, it wasn't just learning how to read the notes and play a quarter note, like a quarter note and cut off at, you know, it wasn't just that, which was a big part of it, but it was also the vibrato. I had to match the exact vibrato as the other three trumpet players, not to mention the whole band. So a lot of things, the way they would approach it, which was new to me was starting off with a, Uh, a stagnant note and then adding the vibrato after. So I'm going to demonstrate that. Right. So that's another way of doing it. It doesn't have to be immediate. It doesn't have to be extreme. It doesn't even have to be any at all. But that is a choice that you have to decide in order to get closer to your own sound. Um, again, uh, if there are any questions, please feel free to type them in, and Steve will let me know. But you know, don't 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 hold off on asking questions, please. So yeah, think about these nuances, these qualities. For instance, I grew up listening to Wynton Marcellus and one of his qualities is how he approaches some notes it's not sometimes it's not always it's a lot of times so that first note I started on another note and I kind of glissed up to it a glissando up to that C and then I did a, a chromatic run down to the a let me do it again So that's, you know, if you if you start off listening to a a, an awesome trumpet player or whoever you idolize, you love their sound. This is these are the kind of the kind of dissection that needs to happen. So being as obsessive and picky, nitpicky as possible, and tearing apart everything. I'm talking about one measure. I'm talking about the first note of a ballad, for instance. Trying to copy that note listen to it, sing it and then pick up your instrument and try to copy it and figure out exactly what they're doing because that's the way you're gonna get closer. If you love that sound and that approach so much, that, that's the best way to, to start this journey on getting closer to your own sound. So, yeah, and then also you. And there's some players that really, you know, Louis Armstrong was one of the first to do that kind of thing. Um, so there's pl- some players that really kind of milk those, you know, glissandos and those bends. Um, also, we're talking about Louis R. Armstrong, right? A lot of handshakes, Han- not handshakes, but hand shaking the trumpet. Um, so. Focus on that, and where does he put those shakes? If you really love his sound, figure out why you love it. Tear it down, break it down. Um, let's see. Also, let's talk about size of the sound. I'm always, you know, most of the trumpet players that I listed on my list, and you know, the most of the trumpet players that I love because of their sound, it's because of the, they play with a huge sound. And you know, honestly, it's hard to put things like this into words because some people think maybe this person has a huge sound. Someone thinks they have a small sound. It's all perspective, but um, I hear a lot of students that are having trouble um, getting their own sound because they're playing with too small of a sound. And I don't know if this will transfer if you can hear, but let me, tr- let me try to play with a small sound and see if you can hear that. know if you can hear that but imagine a small sound if you can't um so I, you know i always talk about this, this is specifically to trumpet um if that's if your sound you're realizing is too small that means that this apparatus this aperture is too closed um, your lips are too close together or something you know maybe your tongue is you know taking up too much space so i always think of all oh, whoa right? Opening up everything. And when I'm doing that inside my mouth is getting, the cavity is getting bigger. And also I'm dropping my jaw. So it goes from a small sound to a big sound. So i work on that a lot making sure that i'm not getting lazy because what what i personally want is a nice big sound so i'm not i don't want to get lazy and try to compress my lips together press my lips together Um, i want to keep them apart making the vibration but still trying to have that open sound that sound, because those are the kind of sounds that i'm going after um so one way you know other ways of of Broadening your sound with, is with the mouthpiece. Um, I, my teacher in Argentina talked a lot about working with mouthpieces um, before you kind of pick up the trumpet. You know, I can talk. I'm doing a you know the lesson on on, on uh, technique, um, so we'll talk more about that then. But um, so yeah, you can hear that immediately. I always say the the mouthpiece. These are things that my teacher in Argentina taught me. The mouthpiece is where the sound comes from. The trumpet is just a sometimes very expensive amplifier. That's really all it is. So if you can make a good sound, the closest sound to a trumpet with your mouthpiece, then you're on the right step. Right? So again, back to the small sound. Right. There's a lot of funky things happening right there because my lips are so close together. Now, if I'm going to relax and open up everything, So it's big, it's fat, and it's the closest thing to a trumpet sound that I can I can do. That's my goal when I pick up the mouthpiece. Of course, when I'm, you know, I've been trying to get up early these days and, you know, keep myself on schedule and, and, and warm up and do the routine and practice. You know, and some, it's, some days it's so hard to get the lips moving. But this, you know, at first it'll sound really bad, I assure you. But then you know the more and more you do it and thinking about moving the air and opening up everything the the better it'll sound that's a big fat sound so that's the that's the first step and then i put the mouthpiece on the trumpet and then i kind of have that sensation my body kind of knows all right I'm going to follow that lead that uh, the mouthpiece helped me with long tones as well. Note bending. Um, think about these things, how you move in the air. So for instance, another thing I do to kind of get my sound big in the morning when I'm, you know, um, uh, warming up is I do long tones and I also do note bending. So I'm not moving any valves. It's all with the air. So what I'm doing is I'm working on flexibility. I'm trying to kind of, you know, when you, when you before you go out for a run, you have to stretch, you have to kind of, you know, get everything ready and, and opened up. And that's what I'm trying to do as well. I'm trying to give myself more of a, a chance to make a good sound on the horn. And if I kind of push the limits by moving the sound up and down, then I can kind of center in right in the middle. And that's where I want to be um, sometimes it's the trumpet players play kind of above the note. It doesn't really speak, or sometimes they play a lot, way too um, under the note. So that that affects intonation, that affects flexibility, that affects um, precision—all these important things that we need. Coming back to sound. So if we can get that out of the way first in the day, you know, be starting off the practice session or the warm up routine section uh, session like that, then we can deal with other things. But I think getting that sound, that initial sound together every day, is very important. Um. So yeah. So going back to these re- classic recordings, and everyone's recordings are different. If you don't want to. Tell your best friend what your favorite recordings are because you're embarrassed that you actually love whoever. It doesn't matter. You can, you know, this is private. You can do it on your own. Um, but the important thing is getting inside, listening to these recordings as much as possible, being obsessive, making that list of the things that you love about each of these, um, the specific things that you love about each of these people's sounds. Um, and then starting to kind of mix it together. So first, what we do usually is we copy. You want to be an exact copy. That's what I used to do with Wynton Marsalis recordings. Um, I didn't, you know, I started listening to him when I was about 10 or 11 and I didn't know much about the trumpet at all. I didn't have much technique at all. Um, I couldn't transcribe his solos. I didn't even try, but what I did try was try to mimic his sound and the way he played i remember he on one recording he played um how are things in guacamora an old standard Right? So I, I, I didn't know what notes where they were. I didn't know what key I was in. I didn't know what harmony was happening, theory, theoretically wise. But I could try to copy each note, the vibrato, the little nuances that he was adding. That was my goal. And I, that got me closer to getting to my sound, my own personal sound. So the idea is first to copy these legendary musicians, those sounds that you love and then, little by little, forming your own sound. So, it ends up being like, you know, like if you're in the kitchen and, you know, you're trying that that chili for the 15th time, you know, make chili for the 15th time, this time you put way too much salt in and, you know, the whole pot is kind of ruined. You eat it because you have to, but, you know, next time you don't put as much salt in, you put too much cayenne pepper. You know, so now it's just a matter of kind of mixing and matching the right amount, right? You don't want too much salt or cayenne. You want the right mix mixture of sounds into your sound. And then all of a sudden you'll have your own sound. It's very interesting that, you know, if you look at the lineage of, you know, the jazz trumpet tree, family tree, um, you know, Louis Armstrong came from King Oliver. You know, young Louis Armstrong sounded just like King Oliver. And then he became Louis Armstrong. Um, Roy Eldridge sounded like Louis Armstrong and then became Roy Eldridge. Dizzy Gillespie sounded like Roy Eldridge and then it became Dizzy Gillespie. And it just happened, you know, on and on, nonstop. Um, and that's how we have to be too. You find those players or player and mimic their sound until you find your own sound, which will happen. I guarantee it.
0: Hey, James, I have a question for you. It. Um... When you think about the different opportunities available to an aspiring professional musician, whether it be playing with a group or session work, does it, be, does it ever become important to, be, to um, be able to describe your own sound to others?
1: Um, that's a, a very interesting question. I never actually thought about it. Um, I don't know if it's necessary to describe my individual sound um and what i'm talking about is the sound that i if i were to step on a stage and play a concert the you know music i've chosen um or you know basically in the jazz idiom um that's would be that would be my approach my sound you would be hearing but for instance you know if i were to walk into a recording session and they wanted me to sound like you know I don't know, they wanted a, a horn section, you know, a typical horn section, maybe like a uh, earth, wind and fire kind of approach. My goal right now is to put in that earth, wind and fire chip and try to get as close to that as possible. So sometimes, um, that's this is really common, I think, you know, to kind of offshoot your question, um, is sometimes I get called for recordings or for or uh, um, um, performances, uh, where they say, I, I need a trumpet to sound exactly like fill in the blank. And then, then I have to go and say, either I have to go back and research and try to get as close to as possible to that sound, or I have to go back into my memory bank and say, okay, I think it's like this. You know, I, for instance, someone called me to do a um, uh, kind of like a spaghetti Western soundtrack thing, you know, and my first thought was, all right, what that, from what I remember, it sounds something like this. Right? Or it can also like a uh, a Spanish kind of thing, you know, like a lot of vibrato and really kind of. So, you know, I don't know if this really answers your question, but um, it's hard to describe my own sound, but I can describe my influences. Um, but it is kind of easy if someone wants me to um, specifically record something in a specific style. I need that, that blank to be filled. Tell me exactly who I need to sound like, and I will try my best to sound like that person or style. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's see. For instance, you know, like what I was saying about, you know, trying to imitate and then go and find your own sound. Um, There's a story, there's a video out there um, of uh, Lee Konitz, um, who just passed. And, you know, he's on stage and he, you know, he used to, he's talking about when he was coming up and every every saxophone player wanted to play like Charlie Parker. And a lot of them came really close. I mean, they, they. Devoted their their lives to playing exactly like Charlie Parker Um, You know for instance, Sonny Stitt would be confused a lot, you know, they'd hear Sonny and they would think it's Charlie Parker vice versa Um, But there's this the story is Lee Konitz the famous alto player um, uh, Was talking to Charlie Parker after hanging out years for years and he said man finally you don't sound like me Um, and he was congratulating that he He moved on, you know, he was imitating for so long like everyone else. And then finally he came into his own sound and Charlie Parker couldn't be more thrilled. So that's important to move on and find your own sound and stick with it. Um, When I I was working on my sound, uh, typically, you know, I guess in high school, but mainly in undergrad uh, were the moments where I really started to think about sound. Um, And, you know, I go to the practice room, and i turn off the light or you know i love if i can if i can get away with it i close my eyes anytime i practice or or perform because that's kind of like zeroing in on our sound a lot of times we think about this we think about you know all the the mechanics of of playing the instrument um and i think it's really important to kind of just zone in on the voice that we have um i think unfortunately sound ends up being kind of put on the back burner because we have to learn our skills we have to learn technique we have to play better than this person but um a a true nice beautiful personal sound really is 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 uh priceless um let's see how are we doing on time
0: We've got about um, maybe just a couple minutes left. As you kind of think about some final thoughts, let me remind everybody that you're gonna be back with us on June 3rd Mm -hmm. and your topic is improving your technique. And then on June 10th, you're back with us with Dwayne White on a topic that you're calling why listening to music is important. So we're definitely looking forward to um, having you continue uh, to participate with us on these sessions and i also wanted to remind everyone that on the education and outreach section of our website clearwaterjazz.com/education you can see all these upcoming sessions tomorrow for instance there is a packed day starting at 3 p.m. we have butch thomas with us on saxophone who's focusing on a daily practice regimen for the serious player and then at 4.30, Tyler Wertman and Frank Williams are back on their basic trombone fundamental series. And at 5.30, we have Mark Feynman with us on drums, the quarter note system, a rhythmic guide to creativity with a bunch of more great topics next week and into June. So please, please uh, visit that page and see if anything else strikes your fancy and, and join us, all of these, all of these uh, lessons are free brought to you by Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation. And we thank all of our supporters for helping to continue this programming, particularly during these challenging times, including the Al Downing Tampa Bay Jazz Association and other friends of ours like the Pinellas Realtor Organization uh, means a lot. Um, and so we really appreciate you being with us and part of this, James, and I'll, I'll leave it to you to kind of conclude with some final thoughts and sign us out.
1: All right. Well, I appreciate it. Once again, it's, it's a pleasure being here and, and working with you and, um, uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to the next few sessions. Um, not just my own and, you know, shared with, with Duane, but also, uh, checking out others. It's so cool hearing, you know, my, my buddies talk and, you know, about what they do, because we don't really do that very often. You know, we don't, talk about the basics and, and what's needed to get from point A to point B so it's always cool to tune into these to these sessions um, and I'm looking forward to the the ones coming up but you know so we're gonna be I'll be talking about um, um, improving your technique which I think uh, unfortunately especially jazz trumpet players we kind of um, think that it's separated there are two different techniques um, and so I've been trying to find that link um, and, you know, studying at USF and now teaching there, you know, it's, that's help, helpful in uh, getting those two together, to link those two. And then talking about uh, listening as well with Dwayne White. Um, so, yeah, back to listening. Make sure you check out that, the, the playlist that I made on Spotify. It's, the link is, is there. Um, it's, I mean, I was, we were listening to it today, and it's just such beautiful music. Um, and it's cool hearing how how much I love each of those trauma players and their sounds but they're all so different so see if you can figure out what makes them different just you know simple terms and simple ideas um, to to describe their their differences Um, so thank you so much it's been a pleasure I appreciate it
0: thank you James that was really really great we can't wait to have you back with us and that link that James referenced is available on our on our education page right under his session topic. It says recommended listening. If you click on it, it will take you right to our Spotify channel in James's specially curated playlist to complement today's session. It's really great. And uh, we look forward to seeing uh, everybody back with us with upcoming sessions and hopefully tomorrow. So James, thank you again. Thank you, everybody. Be safe, stay well. And keep playing. Clearwater Jazz Holiday. Thank you for listening to Clearwater Jazz Holiday's Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. Thank you to our friends at Marine Max Clearwater for helping to present this podcast series. To learn more about the Clearwater Jazz Holiday Annual Festival Tradition, other special events throughout the year, and our year-round education and outreach, please visit ClearwaterJazz.com.